There was once a contest to find the most caring child. The winner was a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went to the old gentleman's yard, climbed up on his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked him, what would you say to the neighbor? The little boy said, I didn't say anything. I just helped him cry. Four years old. A very tender heart to just help his neighbor cry. This month we're talking about our heart. Half of the United States, we're told, has some type of heart issue physically. We know from Scripture that all of us have a heart, 100%, have a heart issue spiritually. The heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said. But in Ezekiel 36, we're asking God, that's our theme verse, we're asking God to give us a new heart. To take out the heart of stone and put in a new heart of flesh. To cleanse us of filthiness and give us new passions and interests and enable us to live a life that is that is not above, that is above sin. So we talked about a new heart last week. We talked about God give us one heart, undivided in its passions and affections. Today I want to talk to you about a tender heart. I hadn't really planned as I planned this series. I hadn't planned to, to focus on this word or this part of the heart of the new heart, but. And devotions a couple of weeks ago, the Lord just really pointed it out to me. And that God wants us to have a tender heart. And a tender heart has the power even to change God's mind. I want to give you a history. Walk through Second uh, Kings with you this morning. We'll go quickly through it. A history lesson. It starts with King Hezekiah. As you'll remember now, because of uh, the sin and David and Solomon, there's now a divided kingdom. So the northern kingdom, there's a southern kingdom. And, and so we have King Hezekiah. Second Kings chapter 20 says he was near death. He was sick. The Lord said to him, set your house in order. Have you ever heard, heard that term before? You need to set your house in order? That comes straight out of Scripture. That is straight out of Scripture. In Hezekiah's case, set your house in order. Hezekiah responds, Lord, I've walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart. I like that, a loyal heart. Lord, would you just let me live a little bit more? God actually answers his prayer and responds, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. You've got to be careful what you pray for. Sometimes God will give you exactly what you pray for. And in Hezekiah's life, he gets 15 more years. Now, the kingdom is able to, to carry on. But in the third year of his life, he's so healthy, he's able to have another son. When he dies, Manasseh takes his place. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. This is chapter 21. He reigned 55 years. But Manasseh did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. 
He rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image as King Ahab had done. He, he does just the opposite of his dad. He, whatever his dad had done to, to clear the land of the other idols, he brings them back. In fact, he brings them right into the house of God. He made his son pass through the fire. He practiced soothsay and used witchcraft, consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke the Lord to anger. Can I just do a little side note right here? (laughs) Don't mess with that kind of stuff. You go around Jackson Square and you see it. You see the cards. You see the spiritists and mediums. That's nothing to do with God Almighty. Manasseh is bringing that and even bringing it close into and into the very house of God. It provoked the Lord to anger. God help us to cleanse our houses of all that type stuff. He set a carved image, okay? He says, I gave to their fathers, if only they be careful to do all that I've commanded them according to the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they paid no attention and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Provoking the Lord to anger and then Manasseh accelerates it and he seduces them to do even more evil. He's a bad dude, isn't he? (laughs) Verse 16, it says, he shed innocent blood. Second Chronicles, it's a parallel to Second Kings, and it tells us that he did repent at the end of his life. Unfortunately, it was basically too little, too late. I'm glad he repented, but the trajectory of his family was already set. And so that we get King Ammon next. Ammon was 22 years old when he came became king. He ruled only two years, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. He walked in all the ways that his father had walked walked and served the idols. He forsook the God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. You see the pattern here? Well, then we get to King Josiah. Those kids, I should have asked them how old they were. Some of them probably were eight years old. How would you like to take one of those kids and turn over the state or city or United States to them? They might do pretty good, huh? If they're like Josiah, they would. They would. Watch this. Chapter 22 of 2 Kings. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned 31 years. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. There's another term that we use often, huh? Right out of Scripture. A young king kid. Turning neither to the right nor to the left. Walking in all the ways of the Lord. Now it came to pass the 18th year of his reign. And do the math there. The king sent one of his scribes. He said, go up to Hilkiah the priest that he may count the money that's been brought into the house of the Lord. The doorkeepers is gathered. Let them deliver to the hand of those doing the work. There's carpenters. There's builders. There's masons. We got to buy timber and hewn stone. We got to repair the house. He, he said, go, there's, there's 
I'm really not worried about the money. They're doing their job. Take care of it. So they're, they're busy about the Lord's work. And so they go to Hilkiah the, the priest. When they get there, Hilkiah the priest re, re, reports to them that I have found the book. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And he gave the book to the scribe to read it. So the scribe went to the king, bringing the word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money. They're doing everything you wanted them to do. But he said, Hilkiah has given me a book. And he began to read it before the king. Now, something powerful happened. I love the word of God. We were studying it. It was the focus of the Sunday school lesson this morning. It happened, listen carefully, verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he tore his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah the priest, the son of Shaphan, he, he, basically four of them, he said, I want you to go inquire of the Lord for me, for all the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. I'm reading this book and I'm understanding great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of the book to do according to all that is written concerning us. You get the picture? They're busy building the house of God. (laughs) But somehow they've They've wandered away and they're not, they're not reading the word of God. Josiah's trying to walk in everything that he knows. And as they go and they report on the progress, the, the priest says, I've been moving around and I found the book. Send it to the king. When the king hears it, he says, Oh my goodness. We're not living any, wow. We're not living any way like God wants us to live. We are walking according to the evil of this world. And it it moved him so much that he tears his clothes. He's in great sorrow because he realized against what they, the standard of God's word and will for their lives was. It went anywhere close to that. So he says, y'all go speak to sends them to the prophetess, Huldah. She dwelt in Jerusalem and they spoke with her. She said to them, Thus says the Lord of Israel, Tell the man who sent you, Thus says the Lord, I will bring calamity on this place and its inhabitants. All the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. But as the king as but as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord of Israel concerning the words which you have heard. I want you to get this. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord. When you heard what I spoke against this place and against his inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity that I will bring on this place. Because your heart was tender, I'm going to change my plans. 
The response of God to his people inspired the psalmist to write this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and he saves those that have a contrite spirit. This is the kind of heart that God wants us to have. This is the kind of heart I want to have. A tender heart pleases God. A tender heart may may cause God to change His mind. It may delay judgment. If you and I can have a tender heart, things can be different. i got to confess to you, I've not always had a tender heart. There's areas of my life I'm still working on. When we moved to Lafayette, we were part of a great church there in Baton Rouge, and it was a pretty much a traditional church. And 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 as we moved here, and God began to take me back to some of the roots of the Church of the Nazarene of ministering to the least among us. I said, Lord, I don't I don't know how to do that. And in this building that was sitting vacant, there was some equipment stored for a ministry downtown, and. And God brought Karsten and Mandy Woodhouse into our life. And, and they connected. One day a lady by the name of Lori Boudreaux came to pick up furniture here. And I began to hear what they were doing. They were feeding the homeless in their backyard. And I began to go and show up. And they called me the donut guy. Because I would bring donuts. They didn't know I was a preacher. It's where I met Wayne. It's where I met Ricky. And I began to sit across that table and begin to hear stories. Tell me your story. And God began to do something in my heart. Begin to change me and give me a tender heart for people that have walked a different path than I have walked. You with me? There's times when I resist. The Lord uses my wife to help me with my driving. Y'all know this. And there's times when I, I just, I kind of, I don't want to receive the correction. But over the time, as she and the Holy Spirit have been helping me, I'm, I've got more distance between me and the car. I'm, I, the Lord is, He's working on my heart. And I'm becoming more tender because I realize she and the Lord want to help me. Are you with me? That's my little, that's my little struggle. Where is where is your heart? Maybe not heart, no, not so tender. What would happen? Could I ask you this morning? What would happen if we all had a tender heart, friends? We live in a culture that is 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 doesn't really evaluate this. We live in a culture. What's in it for me? How can I get ahead? What can I do to to please me? I know best. When confronted with the truth as Josiah was. (laughs) Wow. What if our heart was tender like his? Matthew Henry said, Men of honor and business must look upon an acquaintance with God's word to be their best business and honor. That must be the best business that we're about. What does God say? Where There is not an issue in this world that we can't go to the Word of God and say, where in God's Word does He address this? Here in this particular case, Josiah, 
There's impressions from reading the law that are made upon him. He tore his clothes as, a, as one ashamed of the sins of his people. He was afraid of the wrath of God. He thought his kingdom was bad because of all the idolatry. But he didn't realize how bad it was until he started reading the book. The book was read to him. The rending of his clothes signified the rending of his heart for the dishonor that was done to God. He saw the ruin coming upon his people. Oh, if God could give us a fresh glimpse of what honors Him. And if we could see the wrath coming upon this world, I think it'd change some things in us. Verse 13, he says, go inquire of the Lord. There was, there was two things he wanted to know. He says, what shall we do? What course shall we take to turn away God's wrath and prevent the judgment our sins have deserved? The presence of God, the power of His Word, it ought to give us a strong conviction. It ought to move with conviction on our heart. What must I do to be saved? How do I, how do I change this? Second question is, what should we expect? What should we get ready? He said, our fathers have not obeyed the books, the words of this book. In the glass of the law, he saw the sins of his people. There were more sins. They were worse off than what he had expected. Friends, if we really understand God's wrath, we're going to want his mercy. (laughs) If we really understand God's wrath, we're going to want his mercy. We're going to want to know how can I reconcile? How can I make peace with God? So Josiah sends them. He says, go inquire of the Lord. And they go to a lady. (laughs) They go to a prophetess by the name of Huldah. Now, as I was studying that this week, I was reminded I have a family member. Her name is Huldah Rebecca. She goes by Becky. (laughs) I think she's named for her grandmother, but it's a biblical name that no doubt her grandmother was named for. So maybe we'll start a new trend and it will make Huldah will make it to the top ten names in America. Huldah. They go to Huldah the prophetess and she lets them know. She notices this great tenderness and concern for the glory of God and the welfare of his kingdom. She notices the tenderness of, of Josiah's heart. Most of the people were hardened and their hearts were unhumbled. All the wicked predecessors before him. But Josiah's heart was tender. He received the impressions of God's word. He trembled at it and he yielded his heart to it. He was exceedingly grieved for the dishonor done to God by the sins of his father and his people. He says, I'm worried about the judgments coming on Jerusalem. I'm worried about the judgments coming on my people. You know, those who fear the wrath of God the most are the least likely to feel it. (laughs) It's good for us to understand the wrath of God so that we can bring our lives into alignment and we can help others avoid and get ready to meet God. God says the land is cursed. I'm going to have to destroy it. Josiah tears his clothes. He says, I don't want this to happen. So he Humbles himself. He has a tender heart. The stay is granted till after his death. Josiah could not 
prevail to prevent the judgment, but God promised that he wouldn't live to see it. See, judgment is sure, but here we have judgment delayed. God resists the proud, James tells us, but he gives grace to the humble. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. Are you with me this morning? Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I know this is not popular to tell... It won't necessarily put me on the front page of the paper and all over Instagram. But judgment is coming. I want to be faithful. Judgment is coming. I want to be faithful to every soul under the sound of my voice. Judgment is coming. But God has made a way of escape. Salvation is yours and mine if we will by faith put our trust in Jesus Christ and walk in fellowship with Him. We get into the Word of God. We see what God is trying to do. It ought to cause me and you to have a tender heart. Where else in God's Word does He talk about a tender heart? Remember the story of David and Saul? Saul is chasing after David. David's having to run for his life. Saul goes into a cave to use the restroom. And David actually happens to be hiding in there. David could have killed him. But instead he just takes his knife and he takes a little bit of the garment off. And Saul goes back out. A few moments later he realizes what has just happened. And scripture says this. It says... In 1 Samuel 24, 5, it says it troubled David's heart. Man, David is a colorful character. But here, here's a man. He could have, he could have killed Saul. And yet even this whole experience here is troubling his heart. He's, he doesn't want it to be this way. David's heart and his sin with Bathsheba. This is recorded in 2 Samuel 12. You remember the story when the man of God Nathan the prophet comes to David and he tells him a story. He says there were two men in the same city, one rich, one poor. The rich man had a huge flock of sheep, herds of cattle. The poor man had nothing but one little lamb. He brought it. He raised it. He grew up with it. His it was like honey is at our house. It was water of the family. It's what he says in this. It ate off his plate, drank from his cup, slept on his bed. It was like a daughter to him. One day a traveler dropped in on the rich man. He was too stingy to take an animal from his own flocks or herds to make a meal for the visitors. So he took the poor man's lamb and prepared a meal to set before his guest. David is hearing this. And the scripture says next he exploded in anger. Where is that man? That's injustice. I'm going to fix this. And Nathan the prophet looks at him and he says, You are that man. You the man. You're the man, David. And it grips his heart. And then Nathan goes over and he counts it. He said, you you took Uriah's wife and brought in. And then you you put him back on. He, He would not be disloyal to you. You put him back on the front lines. And even an Ammonite kills him. David, you are that man. Scripture says this. 
David confessed to Nathan. He said, I have sinned against God. Nathan says, yeah, that's not the last word. God forgives your sin. You won't have to die for it. But because of your blasphemous behavior, your son born to you will die. That's where we get Psalm 51. This is, this is the genuine heart cry of David. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge that's what Josiah's doing. That's what David's doing. That's what God's calling us to do, to acknowledge our transgressions before him. My sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And then he goes on to say, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Verse 17, verse 16. You don't desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You don't delight in burnt offerings. Here's what God wants. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You hear the call of God to us this morning. Give me your heart. A broken heart. A humble spirit. Isaiah 57, 15. This is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Can I ask you this morning, what's the opposite of a tender heart? It's hard. It's calloused. It doesn't respond to God when God speaks to us. It doesn't respond to the word of God when the word of God is spoken. The opposite of a tender heart is a hard heart, is a calloused heart. Jesus was tough enough to face the cross. But Jesus shows a remarkably tender heart towards people. Remember when he's looking out over Jerusalem and he weeps, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chickens, but you would not. Jesus has tender compassion. He spoke there in the upper room with such tender care to his disciples, showing them the path forward. Jesus is full of tender love and care. What about us? Really, I'm fearful that we become too complacent in America, particularly in the American church. I really believe Josiah and Nehemiah and Jesus and David have a word for us today. The word might be tucked away. We might be doing church, but the word tucked away. We might say, oh, this is a Christian home, but the word of God is not really practiced or, or sought out. Who I done gone to preaching, huh? It's a little dusty on the end table, maybe. What if we could dust it off? <laughs> what if we could read the Word of God? The Word of God changes us and transforms us. The Word of God is quick, Hebrews says, and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divine and asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. 
The word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. It's powerful. How are we going to know if we don't have the word of God? How will they know in whom they've not believed? How will they hear in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How will they hear unless somebody is sent to them? And it's not just me, every one of you. If you know Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a proclaimer of the gospel. How will they hear unless someone tells them? Zechariah, this was this one really is a is a powerful verse, chapter seven, verse twelve. It says they made their hearts to be like flint, so they could not hear the law and the words which were the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit. Isn't that a tragic verse? Their hearts were made like flint, made like stone, but because they refused to hear what God was saying to them. He had sent the prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord God of hosts. Friends, that's going to happen again if you and I don't have a tender heart and help others follow and know the Lord. God, help us to have a tender heart. What is a tender heart? A tender heart is one in which the Holy Spirit is active. A uh, uh, tender heart is one. You remember the illustration a couple of weeks ago where we, we had the wax and the fire and the wax made it pliable and so it could receive the stamp? That's a tender heart. It's pliable. It has deep concern for the glory of God. A tender heart is conscientious. A tender heart looks out for the needs of others. That's a tender heart, a little four-year-old child. I just want to go help my neighbor cry. God, give us a tender heart. What destroys a tender heart? I'm just a few things come to and this was, I got some of this from a message preached over a hundred years ago by, by Pink, author Pink. It says, Satan, an ungodly company is one thing that will destroy a tender heart. Satan will tell a young Christian, you can keep your old friends. But God says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Friendship with the world soon has a paralyzing influence on our spirituality. So if you want to destroy a tender heart, keep the wrong company. What's another thing that will destroy a tender heart? Prayerlessness will destroy a tender heart. Prayerlessness. Unless a close fellowship with God can be maintained. Friends, that cannot be maintained unless we're spending time with Jesus. Coldness and hardness will soon come upon us. Wrong company, prayerlessness, a neglect of the Word of God will cause us to have a tender heart to go away. You say, well, I read, I read the Scriptures every day. I'm glad, but let it get into you. Not only, not only get into the Word of God, but let the Word of God get into you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart think about the Word. Meditate on the Word. Apply the Word. Do the Word. 
It's powerful. And see, the Satan knows that, so he'll do everything in his power to keep us out of the prayer room, to keep us out of communicating with God, and to keep us out of the Word of God. God is moving on my heart. You're going to have some additional. He's kind of rearranging my whole weekly schedule. You will have more opportunities, especially you men, to interact with me. And and then other men take those opportunities to to coach. We've got to help each other. Learn how to pray. Learn how to study God's Word. Let the word of God get into you. The last one, destroying a tender heart, is a spirit of hypocrisy. Pretending to be what we are not. That will harden the heart, won't it? Insincerity and tenderness are not, in, are not compatible. You know you can lose a tender heart. Just like in Revelation, I have lost my you, I have something against you. You've lost your first love. You and I, if we're not careful, if we're not staying in the place of prayer and communication with God, we can lose a tender heart. We become cold and calloused. We can get it back. I, I tell you, it might take a little more work and diligence than it than us losing it. See, you can just you can just get lazy and lose it. But you're going to have to apply yourself. You're going to have to get intentional to get it back. Pastor, how does that happen? Well, get close to God and the fire of God's love. As we press into God, we press into His Word. He'll reveal Himself. Wait, I need that. You need that, my people. I said this verse last week. My people perish for a lack of vision where there's no fresh revelation, where there's no fresh Revelation of the Word of God. People fall away. They wander around aimlessly. They perish. Another way that we get a tender heart is through this contrition or humbleness. A contrite heart. Remember when the prodigal son came back? His whole attitude had changed. It's not gimme, 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 gimme now. Now it's like. I just want to be a servant. Just make me a servant. And his whole attitude, he'd been humbled. He had been humbled. His whole attitude had changed. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance. If we get into the Word of God and we see His will and standard for our lives, we see how, how far we wandered from God. Godly sorrow will bring repentance as it did in Josiah's life. The last way I believe we get a tender heart back is simply by faith, asking God, just like the psalmist did, created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. We get that by faith. We can claim it by faith. The psalmist David in Psalm 23 said, He restores my soul in interaction with God. By faith we say, Lord, forgive me for my cold and calloused heart. Give me a tender heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Andrew Murray said that there's nothing so hardening as delay. When God speaks to us, He asks for a tender heart, open to the whispers of his voice of love. The believer who answers the today of the Holy Ghost with the tomorrow of some more convenient season knows not how he is hardening his heart. You hear what he's saying? If God is speaking to your heart today and you say, I'm going to wait until a more convenient season, 
that is that delay is causing your heart to harden. Many years ago, this Professor Stuart Blackie of the University of Edinburgh was listening to his students as they presented oral readings. When one man rose to begin his recitation, he held his book in the wrong hand. The professor thundered, take your book in your right hand and be seated. At the harsh rebuke, the student held up his right arm. He didn't have a right hand. The other students shifted uneasily in their chairs. For a moment, the professor hesitated. Then he made his way to the student, put his arm around him, and with tears streaming down his eyes, he said, I never knew about it. Please, will you forgive me? His humble apology made a lasting impact on that young man. This story was told sometime later at a large gathering of believers. At the close of the meeting, a man came forward. He turned towards the crowd and he he raised his right arm. It ended at the wrist. And he said, I was that student. Professor Blackie led me to Christ. But he never could have done it if he had not made that wrong right. Professor Blackie that day was just doing his job, he thought. But he acted in the wrong way. He didn't have all the information. And when he realized that he had done wrong, he humbled himself and he made it right. Professor Blackie had a tender heart and it changed things. What's God saying to us this morning? How are we going to respond to what the Spirit of God is saying? I want God to give me a tender heart. As I thought about that, I thought about Jesus. I want a tender heart. It's like it's like he responded to me and he said. I need some people to be like that little four year old boy. I need some people to help me cry. To grieve over the sin of this world. The Trinity is there at creation. The Trinity was said to Isaiah, who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. The Trinity wants some vessels, some people to work in conjunction with them. God Almighty. See, the God the Father is, is wanting to pour out His love. And the Son did everything he paid the price and, and the Spirit is calling them. We know that, that the Spirit of God is calling every prodigal today back to them. I think, I think He wants me and you. In fact, I know He wants me and you to participate with Him in His work. But it's going to take a tender heart. A heart that's not hard. A heart that's not calloused. I want you to stand with me. If you'd like to pray and just respond to this message and say, God, I, I need a tender heart. I'm going to invite you as Carmen sings just to come and we're going to close with a good time of prayer this morning. You can have it Every part of life.
God, I need you to do something in my life this morning. You can have it all. I've gotten cold. Every part of my world. Let's just get honest and real before God this morning. God is here this morning. I believe He wants to do something special for us. He's doing heart surgery this morning. Taking out a heart of stone. Giving us a heart of flesh. Is this how you feel about it? Anybody else seeking hearts? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Do a new work in us, God. You can have our whole hearts this morning, God. Every part of my Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Your word is powerful. Your word is spoken to my heart today, God. Um, Lord, we're just asking you to cleanse our hearts this morning. God, we're, we're confessing prayerlessness. We're confessing the neglect of the word of God. Lord, we're confessing even a spirit of hypocrisy, God, pretending to be something that we're not, Lord. We, we just are honest and transparent before you today. God, we're, we're coming back to the, to the heart of the matter. We're coming back to passionate intimacy and relationship with you. The enemy knows how to get us off of our game, God. He knows. He robs us of that time. So, Lord, I pray a prayer of faith, of impartation today, of just wonderful time in the presence of Jesus. God, before we look at the news, before we go about our activities, may we spend time with you. Lord, let us rediscover the law. Let us rediscover the book today. Let us rediscover the Word of God. Lord, let us fall in love with You. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We beheld Your glory. Lord, let us behold Your glory in a whole new way. Even this day, even as I pray, even this week, God. Give us that passion and intimacy for you. God, I'm convinced you want to give us a tender heart. Because Josiah had a tender heart, things changed, God. Judgment was delayed. We look at this prodigal board and we're asking you, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on every soul on there. God, and Lord, you got to do some work on my heart. you got to do some work on our hearts to make us more compassionate. To see these souls as you see them, oh God. To have the same attitude that you have towards 
sin, God. Give us the fear of the Lord. Lord, your judgment is coming. Your wrath will be poured out. But today is the day of salvation. Don't let us harden our hearts in the rebellion. God, I pray against any, any hardening of the heart, any spirit of rebellion in any area of our life that your spirit is speaking to us right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over it. Don't let there be any spirit of rebellion as we leave this place today. We embrace you. We embrace your truth. Give us a tender heart today. God, give us a contrite and a broken heart. Let us weep over the things that you weep over. God, give us compassion for the lost. Use us as vessels. Maybe just hold out your hands and surrender to the Lord. Take these hands today. Use these hands for your glory this week. Maybe you want to touch your ears and, and say, Lord, use these ears to, to hear your voice, to hear your word, God. Open our eyes to see, God, the lost, to see those that you want to lead us to, those that need our help, that need our encouragement, that need our correction through the Spirit of God. Oh, God, use us, oh, God. May our feet be shod with the gospel of peace. Send us out of here, oh, God, not to go back to selfish living, not to go back to just what concerns me, but to send us back to neighborhoods where, where there's strongholds, back to neighborhoods where people need Jesus, back to neighborhoods where they need to hear someone proclaiming the truth of the gospel to them. Send us back into our workplace where there's hurting, God. Let us bring, let us bring hope. Let us bring joy. God, I'm praying that you anoint every person here today to leave this place. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to comfort those who mourn, to, to set the captives free, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Lord, we exchange any spirit of heaviness today for a garment of praise. We go out of here in covenant with you that we will have a tender heart. That you will give us a tender heart. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. And lead us in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I love you. Go with his peace and have a tender heart. In Jesus' name.